This week on Countdown to Infinity, we explore Star Wars Episode G, Quest for the Guardians. Who would have thought that a cheeky horror chappian James Gunn would be responsible for opening the Marvel Cosmic Universe? Oh, and making us cry over a tree. This is Countdown to Infinity, and this is Guardians of the Galaxy. Welcome, you're here. We've made it, we've trudged through the snow to bring you Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 10. We've been here for 10 weeks, Dav. It's, it's, We've been here for 10 weeks in this one room. That's pretty mad. We yeah. haven't left. I need some food. I've got my little bed in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a duvet. It's fine. It's all great. We're having a great time. Because but here we are. It's time for Guardians of the fucking Galaxy. This is it. This is... The gloves are off. Yeah. I am Groot. But Guardians of the Galaxy is directed by James Gunn and explores the cosmic side of the Marvel this is Universe. This is the first time we've gone there. Yeah. We've really seen that it's more than just a... I mean, we dipped into it with, yeah, with Asgard. Thor. It wasn't until now that we realised that Thor was actually an alien. It mm. only just dawned yeah. on us at yeah. this point. And obviously after the Avengers, we kind of knew that something wasn't exactly right up there. Uh, with the Chitaurian, obviously uh, a certain purple dude hovering in a chair. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. Um, (laughs) But here we are. We are back on Earth as we start the movie. We see a young Quill. And it is 1988. And his mother is dying. It's a sombre affair. It is actually quite an emotional start to the film. Um, It's not quite as up. But it's an up seven minutes. No, but like within the opening few minutes, Pete Quill has his mother snatched away from him. It's... And that kid is a really good actor. Yeah, uh, he's in the new It. Oh, it? oh yeah. Yeah, sick. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very caught off guard by this scene. I was like, oh shit. Hmm. Like that would have fit in well midway through rather than the beginning. But anyway. Before you go on, oh, I just want to have okay. a, I wanna have okay. a chat. Stylistically, the way that this is being portrayed is... I'd like James Gunn's films previously. Yes. They're always kind of like humorous, usually horror-tinged. Like, but I really did like them, particularly Slither. Like, yeah. I think that movie's incredible. Up until the spaceship beams him up, this, you know, again... You didn't know what sort of movie you were in here, like mm. like tonally and kind of um, looks wise, uh, cinematography wise, at least it felt very different straight away. Yeah. And I think they wanted to make it a bit more desaturated, a bit more kind of gritty so that when we get to the absolute hyper rainbow, which is mm. the James Gunn cosmic universe, it made it feel even more ridiculous. Yeah, because, and even bigger. Yeah, because you, if you even look at the, the ship picking Quill up, it's muted. The colours are mm. muted in that opening scene. Mm. Even his, like, his red shirt, yeah. it's not vibrant. Um, although I did notice the orange sponge on his headphones is. Yeah. So, uh, they've definitely done some post-production work there, and it works a treat, I Because think. then you get to the, as you say, then we have the... Yeah, so that's our impression of the Marvel theme tune. Yeah. Which uh, gets us excited. We're available for hire. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we land on the planet Morag. Mate, I thought this was the perfect introduction to Peter Quill as Star-Lord. Yeah, um, the most common parallel that people draw when they look at Star-Lord is Han Solo. Mm. And it's very easy to see why. You know, he's a rogue, he's kind of lovable, he's out for himself, uh, he's just after a bit of money, devilishly good luck charms. Bloody hell, does Chris Pratt glow up in this film? Do you know what? Like, If we'd have had the Star Wars resurgence before this... Everyone after this would have been like Chris Pratt, handsome. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I was actually kind of surprised they didn't. He's not young enough. Do you no, know what I mean? Like no. he's he's really. But he 
he embodied the role. He's meant to be this cheeky rogue. He nails it. Like that whole yeah. opening. I thought what was really good about it, you've got this epic sci-fi look and James Gunn nailed this perfectly. He's got the helmet. You've got the look. He's like going through. It's not until he clicks play on that so Walkman. Yeah, that it, they oh. pull the rug out. It's very much Indiana Jones this, mm. this moment. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And they've tricked you into that thinking, okay, this is sci-fi. It's going to be kind of gritty. It's going to be dark. Pull the rug. Uh, Honestly, that I scene know where he's dancing through the cave. This amazing. whole movie is very early Lucasfilm. Yes, like, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I loved about it. And I wasn't expecting it. Again, it's one of those uh, groups of characters that I'd known little bits about. Mm-hmm. Like I'd heard of Rocket, I'd heard of Groot, but really, I hadn't read a lot of Guardian, and no one had. Within ten minutes of this movie, you love a character you did not know existed. Yeah, and it's purely because of the humor. Yeah, and it is purely because of that song. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, um, that's something that we will get onto in this. The yes. music in this is more important than in any other MCU movie. They used it to pinpoint those moments mm. perfectly, and followed that on in the sequel. Yeah, absolutely. But as we go through the cave, Quill obtains the orb, this mysterious metallic object. And we'll get to you later on and he's interrupted by Korath uh, who <laughs> does such a throwaway give a shit character yeah who is basically run by uh, Ronan the Accuser and so give us a backstory on him he's a Kree terrorist essentially that's all yeah, you need to that's... know he's been separated away from the rest of the Kree who have gone along with Xandar and he's working with Thanos most importantly and I think that's important like he has definitely got like big boy prefect syndrome going on like he's working with Thanos but to everyone else he's the big bad there's a scene in it where he turns around and goes he calls him boy he's like don't speak to me boy like do you know what I mean it just put up until that point you'd think that Ronan is like the the big bad the big bad and does Thanos just owns him and I think that's probably because uh, the first time we meet Ronan he starts out being bathed in a the kind of weird pit thing yeah. and then doused in these weird kind of like paint, like ceremonial paints almost. Mm. And he takes his hammer and he caves in the skull of a Nova Corps warrior. Oh, mate. And it it's was like, so... oh shit, like this is, this is happening. And this is why it's great to have a horror director on this yeah. because the moments in which you need to provoke fear in a comedic cosmic movie, oh, I couldn't say that if I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> but the reason why it's so good is that you're able to use those pull away moments not for like horrific effect but to give the implications of horror without them actually being there yeah it's not particularly gory and I think obviously this being a Disney film it was never going to be Mm. but it's just the way that you see him swing and obviously you've already seen the guy sat there and then you just see the blue blood on the floor. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. It's so effective. And the way that it pulls into the shape of the floor was very, very Hellboy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that first Hellboy film, um, which I loved. I thought that was, it was just very creepy. Mm. And you really got a feel for Ronan as a villain obviously he is slightly throwaway but again we'll get to that later on meeting him like that and then having a Thanos being like don't talk to me like that boy yeah. you're like oh shit it's amazing okay, before right. that we meet Thanos again though we do meet Thanos' daughters and I yeah. uh, the se- and I'm not gonna lie here yeah I freaked out a little. Okay. Because the second I saw Nebula, I knew what all of this was leading to. Uh, I, I knew that there was the Infinity Gauntlet coming. Because you know what Nebula does with that. I Infinity know Gauntlet, what man. Nebula does with that Infinity Gauntlet. I freaked out because yeah. the second that I saw her on screen and she looked exactly how she did in Infinity Gauntlet, the mm-hmm. run, I was like, 
I think we're going to get it. Like, yeah. and I still, I'm not sure. I, I, it, I I'm really we, confused. I like, mean, when we first was in, we were introduced to Nebula, I actually hadn't read Infinity Gauntlet. Um, I only really got into Infinity Gauntlet probably about six months after Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually have a couple of issues in Infinity Gauntlet. I got them from a friend, and mm. then I started collecting them. Yeah. It was one of those ones that I avidly remember collecting. Like, it was one of the first lot oh, okay. that I was like, I'm going to collect these, you know, yeah. like I have done with Secret Wars. but And I now have, apart from one issue, I have a complete original oh, cool. Infinity Gauntlet, uh, Gauntlet like run. It was an amazing storyline. It twisted and turned. But the thing is, the important part to note is Nebula was such an important factor in that comic book series that seeing her on the screen for me was such an exciting moment. And you don't necessarily, nobody really knows the importance of Nebula right now, apart from the fact that she is a guardian of the galaxy now. Given her progression through Guardians 1 mm-hmm. into Guardians 2 and beyond, I've got. I can't honestly say they're not going to give her full capabilities in yeah. that storyline because she's such a good character. I would agree. We get to uh, we get to Xandar, and we start <laughs> to meet some other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. More importantly, Gamora, Rocket, and Groot. Yeah. I mean, this just sums up the tone of the movie. And again, I know we we've discussed it before, like um, like the heist esque movie. Yes. But in a heist movie, you essentially need team team members with different capabilities yeah. coming together to all fill a specific role and this was set up right from the off yeah and i mean this scene gave you, you know, 90% of the characters of, of the team within the space of three minutes. Yeah. You already know Star-Lord's capabilities. The joke running through it. Star-Lord, Star-Who? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's yeah, so good. It's pretty funny. When Gamora starts chasing Star-Lord, we see her capabilities in a, as an assassin, but just as one that's going out for a goal and not trying to kill somebody. Mm. Um, we see Groot's capabilities as a tree that can, you know, extend himself. That really doesn't and, have a lot of brains, but he's the he's ah, scarecrow so of the group, funny. isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and Rocket, who is... My favourite character of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I he's love incredible. Rocket so much. He's cheeky. He's got an amazing level of heart to him that's mm. shrouded by a pretty rough exterior. And he's voiced by Bradley fucking Cooper. It's man. amazing. It's mate. great. I, I, it's so funny. I love the funness of that scene. You're getting that... It's, it's not slapstick comedy, but it is that... No, but it is... Do you I'd know what I mean? Yeah. Very physical comedy. It's uh, MCU Laurel and Hardy. And we've, uh, at this point, and you could tell that James Gunn really wanted to focus on making you give a shit about these characters, right? Mm-hmm. Because he put in and threw away the, the Stan Lee cameo within minutes of starting the action. You yeah, know, you see yeah. him in the binoculars when Rocket's looking around and that's it. But then it's gone because he's like, nope, focus. I need you for the rest of the movie to give yeah. your undivided attention to these characters that you don't know anything about and yeah. I'm here to tell yeah. you about. And what that scene did, it showed you Gamora is very physical. She can do what she wants. Peter Quill is very slippery and can get out of anything. Groot is pure muscle but dumb as yeah. as a tree, and then you've got <laughs> and then you've got Rocket, who's the tech guy, yeah. and instantly, boom! Even if you don't know any backstory, you know straight away who each of these characters are. Yeah. What was amazing next was that the scene that uh, precedes this is the perfect example of how to give exposition without telling you exposition exactly um so and how we... usual suspects was this moment yeah so basically they go through a lineup essentially and yeah. um it is uh, john c Riley and peter serafinovich it, from Shaun of the dead yeah it literally um, <laughs> could not have been more funny narrated by two funny i know well, it's amazing. actually you say Shaun of the dead 
the tick. Of course, yeah, of course, <laughs> the tick. Um, and he's going through each of the team, kind of comes up with a list of their uh, crimes and uh, what their capabilities are. And it's brilliant, but what was... Again, Easter eggs in that, like the known aliases. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. my God. Um, so it does explain that Gamora is a child of Thanos. What I actually like is the scene after that where you see them all going into the showers and uh, giving the prison jumpsuits, and we see Rocket's back, and mm. you see all the dermal implants that are inside him. And it doesn't even... It doesn't ever doesn't touch on it, does it? No. anything. You just see Quill looking at him like, oh, shit. And you already know that Rocket's been through something mm. that nobody else on the team has. And, and survived. And, and survived. Yeah. And, you know, still here. It's, I thought it was very well done. Again, talking about colour in this scene... To have a prison look so vibrant and <laughs> yeah. so colourful. I think that's down and to the even aliens. Down to, yeah, them spraying them down with orange water, yeah. giving them yellow jumpsuits that completely clash yeah. with, like, Gamora's green skin. <laughs> Every time it wants to reinforce that we are not on Earth, mm. it reinforces it. And the colour palette in this movie does that, that brilliant. specific. And there it's is... brighter than the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Oh, yeah, without it's, doubt. It, it's, yeah. it feels more Disney in its look mm. than the tone like allowed it to be if yeah. you get what i mean so it doesn't feel like a disney movie but it looks like a disney <laughs> movie like there's a fantastic easter egg in the first big well i say fight uh where an alien says that he's gonna lather quill up in bavarian jelly that alien <laughs> is nathan fillion it's so good. It's brilliant. This is where we meet the final, final, and we'll use that loosely because it's yes. the a, a final for this movie, the final member of the wonderful Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, they give each of you enough backstory to understand why these people would come together. Yeah. You've got Quill, who just wants to get out of prison, and they want him because, uh, you know, Gamora wants the orb. Quill knows where the orb is. Rocket and Groot are purely in there for the money. They don't give a <laughs> shit about anything else. And then we get the Drax, and he's my favorite. In this movie, yeah. in this movie, my favorite member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. The reaction online was worried about Dave Batista playing mm. such a big role yeah. in this. And that's understandable given that WWE wrestlers' uh, performances in, in the Hollywood past. films... Apart from The Rock... Like, apart from The Rock, haven't been great, and to say the least. he embodies this... I actually think now that more people know Dave Batista as Drax than they do him as a wrestler. Yeah, I would. And he's so good. He nails it. The motivation for wanting A, to kill Gamora, and then secondly, not to kill Gamora is perfectly nailed in maybe like three sentences of yeah. dialogue. Yeah. And when we take that back to what we were discussing when we were talking about Thor The Dark World, if you can do that so eloquently between... Because that's what we're looking at here. We're talking a, rag, a ragtag band of anti-heroes. Not one of them no. is a hero at no, this point. They're, Not they're as, all scumbags. Yeah. You've uh, got um, a daughter of a mad titan. You've got a scavenger. Mm. You've got two bounty hunters. And you've got a guy who's in prison for murder. Yeah, well, Multiple on, murder. <laughs> on Star-Lord's rap sheet, if you will, uh, it says that he... Um, sexually manipulated a princess so they could steal her treasure. He's not a hero. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. 
that's something that Suicide Squad could have really taken a oh, leaf out God. of. Like, no, because yeah, uh, I know what uh, you mean. I'm not I'm not slating it at all. It is what it is. But what I am going to say is that when you want to take a group of people and put them together and make them work together, your motivation isn't we've got collars around your neck and we'll kill you. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? The yeah. motivation needs to be on a personal level and the interconnection. The, at this point in the movie, we're probably the same amount as the time you've been listening to this. You'll probably we probably <laughs> hit the prison scene yeah, if you uh, sync this up, and that is shown no more so than the second that Rocket's giving them the plan mm. and he's explaining, mm-hmm. and it's such a funny scene where like Groot is he only hears the first part. Groot, uh, Groot will get the battery, and then yeah. he's explaining, explaining, and as he goes to take the battery, Rocket's like, "That's why we have to get it last." <laughs> <laughs> I love it where he's like, I need that guy's leg. <laughs> yeah, for no reason. <laughs> yeah. um, what I was kind of disappointed about was that they introduced the Nova Corps mm-hmm. and didn't give us Richard Ryder. I understand that they probably have plans. You know that that's coming. Further on. Yeah, absolutely. But I kind of want it. Well, he's already, like James Gunn has said that Guardians Volume 3 is going to involve Nova and Adam Warlock. Yeah. But I, I, you know, going into it, I was just like, I kind of, I, I've got the Nova Corps. That's great. You can see the three uh, circle emblem. Mm. You can see the helmets are kind of there. Nearly there as well. And yeah. I was just like, oh, just give me Richard Ryder. Like, it's so close. Obviously, they're drawing it out. That's the fine. The thing is, what you've got to remember is, you know, we always, we're not directors and we're not producers and stuff like that, but we always slag directors off for making bad <laughs> yeah, choices, yeah. yeah? Oh, you've put too many characters in your movie. Yeah, oh, you've not yeah, put enough. Yeah. We had to introduce, and this is what you've got to remember about this movie at all points, yeah? We had to introduce three bad uh, bad guys. Yeah. Thanos, realistically. Yeah, Ronan. Ronan, and then uh, Nebula. Yeah. And then we had to introduce... And then you had Korra. Five, yeah. And then you've got five main characters yeah. for a team movie. Like, that is hard work. And even at this point of the movie, the first time you watched this, I was so excited. I, I didn't know it was going to be so, as funny as it was. No, and it was amazing. I. But I got to this point and I was like, I know them. I know each of the characters well enough. Even if yeah. I hadn't read a single comic involving these guys, yeah. I know who they are. And I felt like from the minute that Rocket broke them out, I knew where we were going. I knew what we were doing. I knew the foils, you know, and that sort of thing. Moving on from the prison scene, they break out. They get back to the Milano. They go to nowhere. Now mm. this, oh, mate, what this is a it, phenomenal That's a scene. huge moment. So basically, uh, they do explain it in the film. Um, and Again, though. No. Perfectly. I was just going to say, perfect example of exposition. Nowhere is the severed head of a celestial. Mm-hmm. Now, and if, at this point, we don't know what a celestial is. No, but, but celestials, for those of you not in the know, are thousands, if not billions of years old. Uh, huge they beings. Are they're the, the, beginnings, the universe. Yeah, they're the beginnings yeah. of the universe. Um, very closely tied into the Infinity Stones. <laughs> and <laughs> Particularly if you do want to explore <laughs> the nebula side of thing, yeah. they definitely are very much in... Because one of the reasons why... I'm sorry, I'm going to detract, but again, this is <laughs> this is really important to what this podcast is about. That how Nebula got the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos was that he wanted to be all-powerful like like, like mm. the celestials like the eternals you know yeah, that, yeah, that. Yeah. so basically using the infinity gauntlet which can give you whatever you want if you've got all the stones he converted himself into essentially a celestial yeah and that meant he no longer needed the infinity gauntlet 
However, that meant that the mutilated remains of Nebula was able to acquire mm. it. He'd mm. already killed everyone else. He was already... If he had have stayed how he was, Thanos would be ruling us all. But he didn't. His aspirations were larger because the Celestials were still the creation, the darkness, the light, the eternal, the, the nothing. Like, they were everything. Yeah. And this is where the cosmic really opens up is because if you're being given right here the severed head of a celestial, so you're basically saying that there is something beyond creation, there is something beyond time, there is something mm. beyond all of this because yeah. that's what they are. But to see a physical manifestation of it as a planet was mad. And what's even matter is that they're just mining it. <laughs> they're just mining his brain out, uh, his eyeballs, nostrils, the whole lot. And it's here that the collector is based. Mm. Um, and it's here that we discover what the orb actually is. Now the orb, and in the comics, little tit note: the collector and the grandmaster are brothers. They are indeed. Mm-hmm. But the collector in this is not blue. Um, yeah, so that well, this is where we learn. Neither is neither the Grandmaster in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, but he's meant to be. Uh, <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Drax isn't meant to be that color until he, he was so good in this that they True. ended up changing him in the comic. True. <laughs> um, but this is where we learn that the orb is actually a housing device for the Infinity Stone. Now, it's the Power Stone that is mm. uh, the big purple one. And it ends up exploding uh, because uh, one of the collector's mistress's servants, yeah, slaves, slaves, essentially, slaves, yeah. Um, grabs it and it explodes. But the, I like to call this room uh, Easter Eggathon. Howard the Duck. Well, everything. <laughs> absolutely everything. Cosmo from, the Duck. <laughs> mate, when I saw Cosmo, I lost my so fucking mind. But do you know what I, I spotted that made me lose my shit even more? What? One of the creepy fucking alien things from Slither. Yeah, what? But even, what? Don't you think that That's even... crazy. Well, Adam Warlock's pod. Original yes, pod. Yeah. It turns out that now it wasn't because, you know, in Guardians 2 you see his pod. Yeah. But it was... At the time, it was like, oh shit. It was those little attention to... Do, do you know what this reminded me of? Seeing this this kind of room reminded me of, you know that scene in uh, Cabin in the Woods? where yes, you, you go down and monsters. you see all the monsters and you're yeah. trying to see what you can see yeah, and yeah, there's yeah, n- yeah. you have to watch that movie like eight or nine times to spot all the easter eggs you know mm-hmm. oh my god there's pinhead oh my god there's that like that yeah. is it reminded me so massively of that scene mm, because you're just so looking cool. around everywhere you look like there is nothing in any of the scenes with the collector mm. where it isn't an Easter egg. So even stuff that I'm missing, that Eamon's missing right now, every, somebody out there will notice. Everything it. in that room yeah. is an Easter egg. So yeah. if you don't do anything else with this movie ever again, just watch, watch that. Just watch that scene over and over again. But after this, uh, Ronan arrives on nowhere and uh, has a fight with Drax. Um, and Drax gets his ass handed Drax to him. Drax gets the shit kicked out of him, man. To the point where he's drowned in some sort of weird pissy, custard, yellow custard. <laughs> Thing. Um, and <laughs> piss, piss custard. He, he's drowning in piss custard. <laughs> Drax is drowning in piss custard. But Groot has to do like a tracheotomy with, on him oh with my. his like with his root. That's gross. Again, that's though, in a Disney movie. Everything is horrific, oh. but presented because of the comedy. You're it's not, fine. <laughs> but you know when like there's a scene where he's like, I do remember you. I remember hearing yeah. them squeal. I remember. I remember hearing your wife's bones crush and i'm like 
Ronan is a badass. Like, Ronan's he, a prick. Yeah, he does not give a shit. Like, no, but, at all. You know, that that's the thing. Like, you, the perfect villain. The only thing that makes him not one of the better villains in the MCU yeah. is because... Okay, right now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, Mr. I'm, it won't, I won't take your nerd card back, yeah? Why did Ronan want the stone? Uh, because he's a Kree fanatic terrorist and wants to take over everything. He has a very generic reason. There's no yeah. specific motivation and behind it. That's him. what I mean. Like, if Ronan would have had, like, let's, like, the storyline that goes on later, once he gets the Power Stone, he's like, fuck being Thanos' understudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that is a movie I want to watch. Like, yeah. if it was focused more on fuck off worms, like, essentially Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't give a shit about you, but I'm going to destroy Thanos. Yeah, fuck like, Thanos. <laughs> uh, but to the point of anyone that gets in my way is going to have a hole punch through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a better motivation. Destroying, mm. like, Nova Prime, <laughs> in a sense, <laughs> is like, why? Yeah. Like, literally, apart from you being a terrorist, yeah, why like yeah. because up until the point where he gets the power stone yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's a terrorist he wants to bring down the the, the, the group that presented the peace treaty he wants to start the yeah. war again he wants you know it to be all powerful race uh, this is why we really loved captain america the first avenger is because the minute the the red skull realized he had infinite power his sight stopped being about one thing about one more he wanted the galaxy he wanted everything (laughs) yeah and i can't honestly believe that when thanos's attention turned to uh, when ronan's attention turned to thanos i honestly can't believe that at that point with all that infinite power yeah he he was like i'm still going to do the thing that i've said i'm gonna do no he wants the throne of the Gal- uh, the throne of the universe yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that is a negative for me in terms of the plot device he was a very throwaway yeah. kind of villain like here and gone if it wasn't for the fact and i don't know why this scene saved him in my head but star lord distracts him with dancing oh it's fucking amazing and his reaction it. to it and he's like what are you doing <laughs> like but i loved that so much that i loved ronan's reaction to it yeah. because even though we were on peter quill's side at that point we were ronan going the what the fuck, fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah. because it made us uh, up until the big reveal of why he was doing it i was like this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, I hated it. I really hated it. And I was Ronan. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? This is why Marvel is so clever. They take, they purposefully at that point, take you out of the film because you're just like, why? This is so disorientating. To then again, pull the rug out from underneath you and be like, ha ha, surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but just rewinding it slightly, this is my biggest problem with the film. So after the Guardians of the Galaxy have teamed up with the Ravagers and have also teamed up with an Overcore, mm. um, they have this huge CGI space battle, above, well, I say space battle, atmosphere battle you know, in the sky yeah. above uh, Xandar. And it is, you know, it is exciting, but I never got... Um, you know why this is? Because it's a Marvel film and it needs to be. No, 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 no. I honestly believe that the reason why this scene occurred is because look at the timelines of Disney's acquisitions and stuff like that, yeah? 
this was the Star Wars. They needed an epic space yeah, battle. Yeah. You know, that I, makes it, sense. Like you know, I, it, they knew that they were getting Star Wars and stuff like that. But this really did open a world that it wasn't just Star Wars. You know, how many how many movies since uh, the first Star Wars movie have tried to make a space opera? Millions. Exactly. And how many have actually succeeded? Not many. Exactly. <laughs> this movie, if this hadn't have been the same company that now owns Star Wars, this would be a rival competition. Yes, there would definitely. be people who were Guardians or Star were Wars. Jedis. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it would really it but would I think for me the problem is um so with you know sky battles and like uh, dogfights and stuff, there are some brilliant techniques of bringing those to life. Top gun for an example yep. does that brilliantly but I never got that thrilling aspect of flying through the air in the Milano or in one of the Novacore ships, although they are very fucking cool. Um, I never got that thrilling aspect. It was just like, okay, right. Do you know what? I, I personally agree with you 100% in terms of the CGI use, yeah? But I think the reason why it was so jarring in this movie and more noticeable is when you look at something like Black Panther, Mm-hmm. everything's grounded everything yeah there's fantastical technology and stuff like that but it's human beings on earth in africa yeah. do you know what i mean so yeah. the cgi works because that's where you're at when you've got different color uh like different color aliens and different color ships and different uh, like different atmospheres and different terrain and different kind of you know weaponry the problem is is that's already fantastical yeah. that's already making you suspend your belief and there's only so much we can do in terms of suspending your belief so then when you add in lots of cgi as well yeah you're not giving it the benefit of the doubt that you would had it been taken place on earth there is we we spoke about the cgi problems involved in iron man 3 mm-hmm. and how it was so over the top but because it was on earth and it was real people running around not people in makeup you were almost able to kind of go well, you know and i always go back to the cockpit scenes yeah yes because the cockpit scenes in this were straight out of star wars yeah like the way that it would switch from cockpit and to I, cockpit i do quite like that i loved that especially when it um sometimes the camera moves alongside them say punching in a you know a hyper thrust or whatever it is they kind of just shift slightly to move your frame of focus and it's just little techniques i quite like it what i feel i'm surprised given sliver yeah how apart from yondu how little practical effects were used in this movies and i use this quotation mark monsters because that would have made it feel even more you know um like a Star Wars movie, mm. but that would have also helped scenes like this because if you could have had those cockpit, uh, cockpit moments where you were going from alien to alien and people talking to each other mm. and they were real, then skipping back to the CGI fights, you'd be like, okay, cool. But because you've got like Rocket and you've got Groot, you've got the different Ravagers and things like that, like it really does take you out of that that moment. That being said, it was cool. But they did need a spectacular. But you didn't actually need them coming to Xandar to yeah. in order to to have that end scene of yeah. friends together, <laughs> holding hands forever. Yeah, I mean, it, that was, was, it was cheesy. But it had to be. Uh, yeah, I know it had to be. We're a family now. I love the fact the conflict was not resolved. But this is where we have to talk about the big controversy right now. Everything. Go. Everyone, spoiler alert. 
Groot is fucking dead. Groot dies. Groot dies. It's a fact. For all of you that think that Groot is like just became young again and nope. resurrected, it, no, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That is son of Groot. This is what happens in the comics. Groot dies. Yeah. A sapling grows. That is the son of Groot. He has to learn about his father's heroism and the fact that he, the people around him that are raising him were the people that uh, his father gave his life for. Yeah. That's why there is conflict between Groot and Peter Quill and I'm sure that will only continue because as a teenager as a Marty teenager as a Marty teenager he's got to deal with the fact that these people that are around him are responsible for his father's death and for someone who says three fucking words (laughs) that's a lot to convey (laughs) that's fucking deep man yeah the Guardians are wrapped up in Groot and his roots as the Dark Aster that's Ronan's ship uh, crashes into Xander now (laughs) when they land you just sort of see like the remains of some twigs yeah so you're telling me that it's like me after I've done my garden (laughs) and I'm like should I take that to the dump nah I can't be asked nah it's pretty fucked up that they were just wrapped in his dead body for a good minute or so encased in his death it's a bit weird but it kind of it kind of hits home especially when you see Rocket's reaction oh man and he's just holding the one little sapling getting towards the end of the film we learn a surprising complication in Quill's heritage he's actually half alien Mm. now for comic fans he's not the son of Jasana Spartax which I like I like where they go with this yeah because it's unpredictable and I do like that they set it up for the next movie Mm. the one thing I fucking love about this movie and I spoke to Eamon about this off, uh, off air I love how much this movie changes after watching Guardians 2 now go away and watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and then come back and watch Guardians <laughs> 1 because there are little comments like when Yondu is leaving uh, the uh, the cave when he's chasing Quill and they throw away comments about we should have delivered him to him. Uh, yeah. You know, we shouldn't have kept him. Like there are little throwaway lines all over the place that link so heavily. It's almost like, and I'm sure they knew where the story was going, yeah. but it's so accurate that it's almost like they knew the exact script for Guardians 2. Knowing James Gunn, he probably had them both written. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely feels like that. And throughout this, like the stuff with Gamora and Nebula, mm. the stuff with uh, Groot and Rocket, the stuff with Quill and his father. Yeah. Like they, everything that's in number two is there. Before we get to the post credit scene, okay. I think we need to talk about the music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it needs its own little section on because it. Because the soundtrack to this film is fucking phenomenal. Honestly, it's a 70s-filled trip of nostalgia that uh, Peter Quill's mom curated for him, essentially on a cassette tape. Driving him throughout all these years is these memories that he associates with the cassette tape. I it almost made it. this like a period piece. Do you know what? I'm, yeah, and yeah. Do you know why I think they did it? And I, I know I've talked a lot about this being Star Wars, yeah? But it was giving us that nostalgia with today's technology. So it was almost soundtracking the big golden era of sci-fi, which was the 70s, yeah? And they were summing that up by using that 70s music Mm. in the right place. It's all rock-based music. It's all guitar-based music. And it works so well because it's an opera. This is meant to be a space opera. And that's why this movie used a soundtrack more heavily than a score is because that's what a rock opera does. Mm. Uh, You know, it utilizes songs 
for narrative effect. And this that's never more present than in this and the second movie. Yeah, I mean, we all we all downloaded Hooked on a Feeling after that trailer. Wait, I downloaded... Oh. This is one of the very few soundtracks in a very long time that I can put on and listen to all the way through, both of them. Yeah, like, same. But as well, Come and Get Your Love, that is a brilliant track. It's the song that opens the film that, uh, that Peter Quill is dancing along to and grabbing these weird little swamp rats and pretending they're microphones. Oh, it's that fantastic. scene is incredible. And booting them across the place. I loved it. I just think that someone like Taika Waititi sees this movie and goes, actually, there I is a c- place can, for me. I, I can, can play in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's not this that I have a problem with. But what this does do in a certain way that kind of is it's going to mark it down, unfortunately, is it makes anything that was even remotely cosmic before. Yeah, it it pulls the continuity of that into question. The Nova know about Chitari, so mm, so, come why, on. so why didn't the Nova? Come why didn't to they Earth? step in? Why didn't we find yeah, out about the Nova exactly. at that point? They are space so how, police. Yeah, like, exactly. And, um, they, and they missed an invasion. <laughs> it questions colors. Up until this point, everyone on Asgard's a white person. Apart from Heimdall, yeah, but that it, even, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, but even one, that is like made into guy. a thing, isn't it? Like yeah, no, you know, just... uh, and and so that's the only thing you can say that is detrimental to the MCU is that this really goes draws a line under it and go everything you do from here on out in space has to look in this certain way. Yeah, because what that did as well as Guardians of the Galaxy really opened the door for acceptance of the look of Thanos because yeah. you put Thanos into a world that's been brought up on Winter Soldier and Iron Man, you're not going to mm. buy into yeah, it's it. You're not going to feel it's it. Gonna but clash. you have a muted thanos after you've had yondu all of a sudden you're like you're like yeah no that's cool that's except yeah Yeah, because i've accepted yondu now i'm like well that's yondu so therefore when i see thanos i'm like cool do do you get what i mean with that like because otherwise you put thanos in a world that's just had winter soldier yeah you put thanos in a world that uh is fighting thor it doesn't work no it doesn't work not up until this point Mm. so that's you know that is both a positive and negative of that but let's get into some post-credit scenes. These ones are fairly non-consequential in terms of wider MCU, but there's some great Easter eggs. So to begin with, we have Dancing Groot. <laughs> we all love Dancing Groot. Oh mate, just and as Drax they is could turning squeeze around. in one final song yeah, that, exactly. onto that soundtrack as um, well. It's a great little moment that Drax and Groot share. Um, baby son of Groot. Uh, baby son of Groot. <laughs> just, to, just to reiterate and smash your dreams just to, once just more. Just to get his full title in there. And then the final one sees the Collector sitting in the ruins of his uh, mm. his gallery. And Cosmo runs up to oh, him. It's amazing. Oh, Cosmo. It's, we haven't really touched on... I know you mentioned Howard the Duck earlier, but why that is so monumentally important. Howard the Duck movie is actually regarded as one of the worst movies of all time. Mm. And it's got nothing it's, to do with the comic it's books. It's fucking terrible. And it's terrible. Yeah. Who made Howard the Duck? You know? Who, what, the film? Yeah. George Lucas. Lucasfilm. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like... <laughs> Everything in this movie is like an homage to Lucasfilm, but done perfectly. Yeah. I would watch a Howard the Duck Road movie with Cosmo the Dog. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine 
Cosmo, a psychic animated series. Russian uh, animated dog series. Give it, give oh those two their own God. animated series. Imagine it would that. Be fantastic. Traveling across space, visiting different planets. Mm. How would the duck getting into some form of mischief and Cosmo, the Russian cosmonaut dog, <laughs> having to <laughs> sort it with his psychic telekinesis? Yeah. Oh, funnily enough, there is a Guardians of the Galaxy animated TV series on Disney at the minute, and Cosmo is a big part of the middle of the first season. Actually, I was like, Mental. no shit, Cosmo. Mental. It was fantastic. Now, give it a quick rating. What, what are you giving this out of ten? Right, I'm going to give this a nine. Okay, solid. Okay, I'm yeah. going to give it a nine. I think it's definitely, definitely in in the best MCU movies completely. Yes. Like, again, as we spoke about last week, I have to save my 9.5s <laughs> and 10s. But later on. I do think it's a solid nine. It yeah. is one of the best examples of how to introduce the world to characters they've never seen before and by the end of the first movie not only make them like them but gagging for a sequel yeah absolutely gagging for a sequel in a world that manages to connect but disassociate from the mcu mm -hmm. like if you span guardians of the galaxy off and it never factored into the avengers no one would ever care it would still be part of that world you'd maybe see little cameos but you could do that that is absolutely yeah. something that you could do like that's amazing the fact that you could make an entire franchise out of the guardians off of one movie that's insane you could like yeah, yeah. i can imagine like and this is the thing i can imagine us uh, talking in 10 years about guardians 6 and 7 that's how <laughs> honest like yeah. the volumes yeah. of it i think could go so yeah i'm gonna give it a solid nine i think i'm gonna have to level with you i'm gonna give it a nine as well it's one of the funniest marvel movies uh, it's one of the most original marvel movies more importantly for me as i said earlier it's a breath of fresh air um, I love the space opera meets dysfunctional family comedy. Yeah. Um, yes, Ronan is a throwaway villain, but that's made up by the dynamics between all the characters. And it gave me Rocket, man. I'm so happy they gave me Rocket. And we needed Ronan to be a throwaway because if he was any bigger of a bad... He would overshadow he was, Thanos. Yeah, he was exactly. second in command to Thanos. Yeah. So if it wasn't just a... Pff, get away from me boy like yeah. it would have it, it, you know because that's why we've got nebula exactly well, <laughs> uh, honorable mention has to go to glenn close as nova Absolutely. prime fantastic performance uh it was great to see her now i hope we see more of her in the mcu there's definitely a lot of potential for mm -hmm. her especially if richard rider's coming please let richard rider be coming that'll be cool uh, <laughs> next time we go real big we hit the ultron button age of ultron is coming ultron is one of my favorite villains ever in marvel so do the mcu do him justice <gasps> I guess you'll have to wait till next time. This has been Countdown to Infinity. I've been David. You can hit me up on Swearbox DJ. I've been Eamon. You can tweet me at Eamon Jacobs. And please go follow Heroes Direct on Instagram. We're going to be doing more and more live videos. And you can join us on there and see what we're talking about live. Yeah, so join us next time. We'll see you later. <laughs>